Hello and welcome to the Lone Star Varsity Podcast powered by AJ Media. I'm Mike Graham, joined as always by Brian Navarrete. And Brian, it's starting to look a lot more like a, an academic year. We've, we've had volleyball going on for a couple of weeks and we've seen some good matches and some good tournament play already. Um, but football's coming into the mix. Uh, on Monday, the 5A and 6As joined the, the lower classifications in practice and, and we're off on all fronts. Yeah, you can definitely see an upturn in how much work we're putting in on the weekdays. Um, I'm excited for it. Football season. We're going to be heading out to some practices pretty soon. Get to see more, more football as well as you know, kind of getting our volleyball in at the same time. The academic year is definitely upon us. I was at a convocation earlier today, and I'm ready for it. We're only, I think, over two weeks, maybe one week away from it. It's been a lot of fun, and it was a lot of fun covering the shallow water tournament this week. And we got to see All Saints, which was the best finisher among the South Plains teams at the 16-team tournament. Um, and we're just going to hop right into it. We're going to bring on Coach Kimberly Sweat uh, just to discuss that tournament and the upcoming tournament against Leveland, where they have another opportunity to, to make some noise after finishing second in Leveland last season. But we're joined now by Coach Kimberly Sweat from All Saints Episcopal. And, and Coach, obviously, it was a really good performance at the Shallow Water Tournament, a, a second-place finish against a Graham team, a 4A from the UIL with about seven times the amount of students to choose from for its volleyball team. And it has to sting to lose that game. But just the, the run in, in playing schools that large and competing with them has to give your girls a lot of confidence um, as you continue the trip um, down non-district toward your district, district schedule. It really does give us some confidence. And, um, you know, I always tell the girls that when we play better teams, we just get better. And it just gives us more opportunities to see what we need to work on. And, you know, although, um, you know, losing isn't fun, it's, it gives us something to look forward to in practice. And we get to work on this or that on what we, you know, didn't do great during the game. What's the mindset of the team when you take on a school, you know, the size of Graham? Uh, is that something that the girls really look forward to just to, to prove, you know, it, it's not just some small school. It's a really good volleyball team. Right. Um, the girls are not typically intimidated by different, like, sizes of schools. Um, I think that it's more of a challenge for them to just, you know, take it head on and really um, hone in on, like, playing well and focusing. And my girls play better when they're relaxed, and we know that from this weekend. And so um, the size of, you know, the school or the opponent that we're playing is, is not a factor in how well we play against someone. Hey, Coach, this is Brian now. Uh, so kind of looking ahead at the Leveland tournament, who do you guys kind of anticipate to see? In our pool, we have Levitt Christian, we have Leveland, and I believe we have Briona. And um, we got second in the Leveland tournament last year, and so we're looking for some more success this year. Now, Friona was in the finals at the shallow water tournament and so we know they're good and so we're gonna have to play well and pull play if we want to be successful like we were last year in the leveling tournament and, and just going along with that point a lot of tournaments on on the schedule against a lot of um, west texas best schools you know how important is it for you guys to, to stretch yourself you are the defending taps to a champion and and you know some people might feel like you don't really have anything to prove but it looks like just from the scheduling that there's a lot that you want to prove before hopping into uh, taps play exclusively oh you bet like i said earlier i just think it's so important to play um teams who have 
have good programs and we play we play competitive teams and that's what makes us a better program and a better team and um you just get better when you play people who compete with you you just do now four senior losses from last year's state championship team but the, the newcomers have to be impressing you early um only one loss in the shallow water tournament that came at the very end of the of the uh, event Yeah, we have some newcomers who are um, really making a difference with the team. And um, Soraya Flores, she's a junior, and she played for us last year, but she um, actually played middle. And um, so she has a great arm and just swings at the ball so hard. And she has been incredibly effective for our team. Um, we have Sarah Fye, who is currently in our setting position, and she has – done a phenomenal job she has not set since middle school and um her accuracy and work ethic has just made her thrive in that position so we look forward to great things from sarah um we also have chloe flores who's playing right back for us and she is also a junior and she's doing great things over there and then we have a freshman paige schleyhuber who has um stepped up on the right side for us and just kind of meshed well with the team. And um, although she has some um, improvement to do, she's young and works hard and makes, you know, great um, changes when asked and incredibly coachable. And so we look forward to the success that she'll have in the coming weeks. Hey, Coach Brian, again, uh, kind of going off of that, you do bring back some all-state selections in Lily McKay and Tatum Harper. Can you t- tell us a little bit about the leadership that they bring to the mix? Lily and Tatum are our only seniors and um, have started, they started this program with me when they were freshmen. And they have just risen to the occasion on anything that I throw at them. And, um, I can't tell you enough of how well of leaders on the court that they are. They um, lead the girls, their teammates so well. And it's like, it's like they're an extension of me. (laughs) They, um, they just do exactly what I ask of them on the court and their teammates expect the same thing that they, they expect the same thing of their teammates and um, just can't say enough good things about those two seniors. All right, kind of going off of uh, some of those players, are there any other notables uh, that you would like to mention? Yes. Um, so we have Katie Bayus, who played middle for us last year and did a phenomenal job, but her improvement since last season has been impeccable. And so um, she has just increased her vertical. Her swing has gotten so much better, and so she's doing great things for us in the middle. We also have Nicole Ocasio. From, um, she transferred in this year, and so she's new to our team but has done amazing things. She blocks well. She moves well. And so we're really looking forward to those two um, being really successful for us this year. Well, Coach Sweat, thank you very much for your time. We really appreciate you calling in, and, and good luck at the Level Land Tournament. Thank you. And one more note about volleyball, Lubbock High. What can you say about them? They're, they're making some noise as well early. Um, with a five-set win on Monday against Plainview, it's starting to look like there's another team that's going to be competing for the 4-5A crown. Yeah, they had some players kind of step up there at the net. Uh, Brianna Warren, she totaled 15 kills, 3.5 blocks, and had three aces in that match. So they're really competing very well right now. Uh, Taking five sets, you know, it takes a lot of tenacity to stay in there and, you know, keep that mentality and just stay competitive through five. And they're showing that they're going to be competitive. 
That's right. Games will run away from you quickly in the fifth set, especially when it's just a race to 15 points, you know, a streak of three points and everything kind of collapsed. Lubbock High didn't have those problems. We brought on Coach Matthew Leesman last week, and um, he seems like a really well-put-together coach, and it looks like the Westerners have a really well-put-together volleyball team. Yeah, kind of excited to see what they're going to do moving forward. But then again, you look at Lubbock High, and they're they did they had a great performance yesterday. But Plainview also sticking in it through five sets. You know, I think that kind of says a little bit more about them as well, in that they're going to try to find some sort of consistency moving forward. You know, in terms of uh, play at the net and things like that. But I think just seeing that five set from both of them just shows that when district comes around, these teams might be some teams to look at. We haven't had a lot to say about this yet, but it's football time in Texas. And I just want to get your thoughts. We've, we've been around to, uh, to a lot of the South Plains area schools, a, a lot more coming up this week, a lot more coverage, and our first scrimmages come up Friday. But what have you seen from the teams you've been following and, and who have you been following early on? I think one of the big ones uh, that we've seen is Estacado. Uh, obviously, that district is going to be very competitive. From Estacado, I see a lot of playmakers right now, big bodies, uh, very athletic kids. Um, I think you were up at their practice just the other day. That's right. Uh, lot, lots of good-looking athletes, and I know that they've got something to prove. District 1-4-A Division One is, is really interesting because there are only four teams in it, so there's, there's really no incentive to, to win any games. You, you go to the playoffs automatically, of course, in, in all Texas districts, the top four teams automatically advance to the playoffs, and since this district only has four teams, Everyone goes no matter what they do in the regular season. That's going to be one of the questions that we're going to be exploring a lot here at Lone Star Varsity this year. Um, and that is, what, what drives you when you're automatically going to make it to the playoffs? Is, there, is it important to win the district championship? Um, how important is non-district play? How important is it to play a season where really none of your wins matter? There's, there's no pressure to, to perform until you get to the bi-district round, which you're going to get to. I think with these four-team districts, uh, it's not that, you know, none of these games matter. I think it's staying competitive through those four games because obviously you know in the back of your mind that you're going to the playoffs. But if you let up in district, that can kind of carry over into that by-district round and all of a sudden, you know, just setting it aside in your mind was all for nothing. I think, you know, it puts a little bit more pressure on them in a sense that they have to stay competitive through, you know, those four games and head into the district or head into the playoffs with momentum rather than the mentality of, oh, well, we're going to go anyways, so it doesn't really matter. But in talking with some of the coaches, you know, it, it does make it a little bit more competitive. Um, the district title, I think, becomes a little bit more competitive to kind of hoist at the end of the year. Um, it's going to be an interesting one. I think between Loveland, uh, Estacado, and Pampa, Pampa returns quite a few players too. I think it's going to be a fight to the, to the end for that one. Yeah, you kind of stole my next question for you. We've talked a lot about Estacado, and obviously they're trending up and they have good-looking athletes, and Loveland took a major loss with their quarterback. But what have you seen out of um, the Lobo so far? Uh, I haven't been to a practice quite yet, but I can kind of tell you what I've seen from them in the past and the players that have stepped into roles there. Uh, Chris Gerber taking over for his brother, uh, Nick Gerber. Um, he was a running back last year that played both ways at times. He's a very physical kid. He can run the ball. And, uh, you know, talking to them a little bit, it seems like they're going to be more run-based this year as opposed to last year when they would air it out. You know, you'd have uh, Nick going for 500-plus yards a game now we might see a little bit of more run action out of them and they have some capable uh, athletes out there uh, there's an up-and-comer I think at running back that'll be lining up with Gerber in the backfield 
But he's competitive. He's a competitive kid, and I think he once the offense finds itself, it's going to be as lethal as it was. And that's a sign of good coaching, someone who can tailor their offense to the players that are around them. And another school going through kind of that process right now is Lubbock Cooper. They lost Jared Dagey to, to Bowling Green and to his big brother Seth Dagey, the former Texas Tech quarterback who's on the on the BG staff now. Um, but they're, they're going through a quarterback battle through fall camp. Uh, but running back Elijah Boyd looks good, and if, if he's good, then that running game could have a real bite, and that could actually lead them this season. Yeah, uh, we've seen transition between quarterbacks there before. Before, uh, you know, Daigie was there, they had, I believe, Colton Aylers, and he was more of a, a run-based quarterback. So I feel like Catwinkle is going to get them back into a direction where they can move forward offensively and just be, like I keep saying, but competitive. And Elijah Boyd's definitely going to help uh, get them there, help set the pace for that offense, and just uh, I kind of take a little bit of pressure off of my, what might be a first-year starter quarterback. You know, maybe they started on the JV last year, but now varsity is definitely a different speed. So um, I think having him in the backfield is a big plus. He's a big body, big kid, and bulldozer. So <laughs> you may have to lean on him early, but I, I see the offense kind of falling into form before they hit district. And, and Cooper kind of one of the representatives from District 4 5A, which a lot of people around the state didn't know much about last year, but but they certainly do now with Coronado and Monterey's success. Then Cooper and, and Abilene Cooper, they all went three rounds in the respective 5A divisional playoffs. Um, and you know what? Lubbock High looks like they might be improved this year. So so what do you see from 4 5A as a whole as, as we get ready for scrimmages uh, not this Friday, but next Friday. Well, um, first thing that uh, you said it, they made their mark in Texas football, I think, last year. And I think it was a battle every game for them. You know, that district is a tough one. I think it's one of the tougher ones in our coverage area, um, outside of Seminoles, obviously, <laughs> with Pecos and all them. I think that one's real competitive. But this one in our area is one of the more competitive ones. And Cooper always has a solid team. Coronado saw a definite upturn last year. Uh, Monterey always has a solid team. Abilene Cooper always has a solid team. So I think coming into this, you know, it's going to be whoever can not necessarily replace what they lost, but I guess fall into form, you know, uh, get everything firing on all cylinders before you hit district. Because once you hit district, it's going to be tooth and nail, I think, every game. Uh, Lubbock High, you had mentioned uh, you've seen some improvement from them. I believe you were at a practice last week. That's right. They, they, have, a, they have a great attitude. Um, you know, it's, it's not fun to be part of a program that goes 2-8 and eight unless you're optimistic about the next season, and they're definitely optimistic. And it kind of just shines through when you talk to the kids. Um, I know that they've worked really hard this offseason, and I think that might pay off on the field. You know, it's just a matter of how the non-district breaks. They, they have a challenging non-district, and, and really I think – Historically, they're they're better than San Angelo uh, Lakeview. If they win that game and they steal one from one of the top four teams from last year, two wins might be the magic number to get out of this district. Just depending on how um, it all kind of pans how, out. How it, all, how it all pans out. Like last year, you had the two Cooper schools that tied with three and two records. Um, but if if their head-to-head win had gone the other direction, two wins would have been the magic number to get in the playoffs. Yeah, uh, it was definitely there at the end, very uh, 
yeah, whenever that happened, whenever it was kind of tied up, you know, everybody was kind of questioning what was going to happen from there. And obviously it was just a seeding thing. But two wins in the right direction, I think, does get you into the playoffs in this district. And Lubbock High, I think, is kind of due for a good year. I mean, they've been working at it for a while. Uh, some of the names are very familiar from the last couple of years. Kwame Wilborn, Isaiah Johnson, you know, maybe they're going to kind of work as a tandem there and be able to get the offense going. And let's just go around the horns as we, we spent so much time with, with Lubbock High. Coronado, I mean, Quay Gray, 4,000 yards, uh, takes them to the regional semifinal in the Division One bracket. It was a heck of a year, and, and guess what? He's back. Yeah, I'm kind of excited to see what he's going to do this year in his senior campaign. After a year of throwing for 4,000-plus, you got to think that he's coming in a little bit more confident, you know, in himself and, you know, maybe in the offense, in the weapons, maybe he's just, yeah, just that confidence factor. And they bring back a very talented running back in Gerard Compton. So I don't see the offense letting up at all this year. I think they're going to pick up where they left off. They graduated some key wide receivers, but I think they're going to have some kids step in and uh, kind of rise to the occasion this year. And don't forget this, and I know you love it as a former offensive lineman, Jalen Thomas SMU commit anchoring the offensive line at center. That's always huge, especially when you have a center that size and a center with that experience and then a collegiate-level center at that. I think him anchoring that offensive line is just going to be that much more for him. And of course, they have defensive players as well. I'm thinking about linebacker Trey Stevens, who's still young. He's yes. a junior, but people say that he has Division One college potential. Him and Miguel Garcia. Uh, he was a monster off the edge last year at defensive end. Uh, there was talks of him moving to linebacker, but I, I think they're still working him out at defensive end, which we'll see when we go out to practice this week. Yeah, yeah. It'd, it'd be funny if they moved him to linebacker because he was so valuable at end. I mean, he led the state in sacks, 26 of them. Uh, and I'm sure he could get sacks at linebacker, but probably not to the extent. And that's okay because um, even without his sacks, I mean, he only amounted 33% of – Coronado's defensive sacks last season, which is a kind of a testament to the defense. And, and, you know, more than those two critical pieces are returning for them. So could be a really big season for them. And then I'm thinking about Monterey. Monterey, I think, is kind of the wild card of this district. Is You, you think that Coronado is would begin the season probably as the, the district favorite just based on their body of work last year and, and their returns. But then you've got Monterey with um, Brylin Lawson Young, a quarterback, who they think could be – uh, the Plainsman's answer to Quay Gray. Yeah, he's, he got snaps last year, so he's, he definitely has the varsity experience. He knows the speed of the game at this point in time, and he knows what to expect. I mean, he took uh, snaps with Jaron Jones. They both kind of switched in and out. Um, he definitely proved that he could throw the ball, and uh, we'll see if he can be productive this year and get in it downfield. They did graduate quite a few uh, playmakers, but – uh, with a school that size and some kids coming up, you got to think that maybe they're going to find some more weapons. I mean, uh, every year you always find some diamond in the rough when it comes to the off season, and uh, I think that might be the case for them. And nice tidbit for you, another offensive line trivia. Yes, uh, they have eight players that they think could start on their offensive line. They're going to commit to five to begin the season, but it's always nice to have that depth. And at eight, on the high school level, you think you're never going to deplete that kind of depth. It would it would take something awful to to break down that depth yeah that's actually a good problem to have knowing that you have eight kids that can line up in front and provide the push or the block or anything like that usually you have uh, three returners and two new kids coming in but if there's eight 
that can actually be productive for them, that's just that much better for them. If Brian Lawson Young gets some time in the backfield, he'll be lethal downfield. So then just circling back to Lubbock Cooper, um, defensively, some really good playmakers on that side of the ball as well. I'm thinking about Jake Kirkpatrick, who has – He's been a corner, but he's got potential to play safety, and he's not the only one that's very athletic in that backfield. No, they have quite a few, actually. Um, I'm trying to think of uh, some names right off the top of my head, but they they did graduate quite a few. As, as far as the defense goes, anyways, um, I don't know. Cooper, their defense has always been kind of shut down in the last couple years. Um it, they've had kids graduate that were big parts of that defense, but then again, they're still as productive as they were the years before in stopping the ball. Uh, I think uh, two years back, they were very defensive-minded. I, th- I still think they're a defensive-minded team. So we've covered 4-5A, 1-4A Division One. that's Estacado and Level Lance District. The third one for me that's really standing out here in the preseason is um, District 2, 2A Division One. That's the home of Abernathy, which won Region 1 last year and went to the state semifinals. Uh, a couple of bad breaks away from the state championship game. And New Deal, who I think could very well win the district championship. Yeah, uh, Abernathy and New Deal are always kind of the forerunners in, in that district. Uh, New Deal won it the year before, and then Abernathy took it back this year. Um, it, it went kind of back and forth there, but I think – they both have the potential to kind of get that district title. Abernathy obviously returns a talented quarterback in Bryson Daly. Uh, they have some other weapons, uh, Cole Carlisle. You know, uh, I was out at practice the other day at Abernathy, and it kind of seems like they were all just clicking. Whereas, you know, sometimes uh, in the off season, especially during two days or something, you'll have some kids kind of getting back into shape or, you know, kind of falling behind a little bit. They didn't look that way at all. They were running through the drills like uh, they had been doing it all summer. I think a lot of people are, you know, this word gets thrown out around a lot. It's sophomore slump, and, and Bryson Daly was phenomenal for a freshman quarterback. I mean, 2,600 total yards, really the, the primary running threat on this team as well as its passing threat. Um, but you've gotten to know him and his dad, who's the head coach a little bit. What is he like, and, and what, is, what is their family dynamic like? So uh, talking with Bryson, you can definitely tell that he's very football-minded. He's got a good mind for the game, and I think you – know, I, I don't like to use the word sophomore slump because I don't believe in him. I'm not a very superstitious guy, but he's a he's very football-minded kid. I think he brings a lot of athleticism to the field for him, and their dynamic between the two of them, they just – they both have a won't-lose attitude, you know, and you saw that in the playoffs last year. There were games where Abernathy was barely holding on, and, you know, they would put their trust in Bryson, and Bryson delivered. But just the dynamic between them both, uh, they get along very well on and off the field, you know, father-son relationship. Uh, they, you know, he works hard for his dad, but, you know, it's also his head coach. So... He, he that, I think that's the way he kind of takes it in, you know, and that it's his head coach, you know. And he was saying, you know, sometimes people think that the coach's son has it easier. But I think I agree with him in that I think they have it a little bit harder, you know, because. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> I, I've known some coaches' kids. And, you know, coaches, they try not to take it home with them. Uh, but But sometimes – it does slip through, and it's always hard on the kid, and it's it's always hard on the coach too. Um, 
but they seem to have a really good dynamic, uh, one of the best I've seen. But I guess my question about the sophomore slump is, does, do you get the feeling that Bryson can hang his hat on his merits or that he realizes that there's still more out there for him? I think he realizes there's still more out there for him. Uh, his dad had mentioned that, you know, he wants to play college ball. So I think his, his big thing is just to stay productive for the next three years. Really, his name's out there now. He's got a target on his back, which is not always favorable, but his name is out there now, and he just has to keep competing. It, there's no hanging his hat, I don't think, because that's just your, your freshman year. You have to do it for four years before anybody says, hey, okay, this kid's ready to go to the next level. Now, I talked a lot about Abernathy, and there are a lot of storylines there. We don't want to uh, spoil them all in, in football podcast number one, but then there's... <laughs> we certainly yeah. could. Oh, no doubt. And, and then there's New Deal. New Deal, I think, is a very impressive team. Um, you know, lost the district championship to Abernathy 21-20, to 20, and, and really, up until Crawford, was pretty much the only team that, that could handle them um, within um, Division One of 2A. And Jet Whitfield, uh, he's, he's a guy that I, I think could be a serious player, not only on the high school level, but could develop to be a good college player too he's only a junior right now and, and he's certainly got the size to play college ball yeah an athletic junior uh, sitting at six foot 190 pounds uh, I believe they have him listed as an athlete kind of all over the place um, yeah he's definitely one of the players to look at I really like uh, New Deal uh, Matt Hill their offense is always good their defense is always good and he's a good coach you know not to say you know any of the other coaches aren't good but you know He's a good coach, and I think he's going to have them ready come uh, season starts, you know. Oh, and one I would like to mention also, we have another quarterback out in uh, Hell Center that might make some noise this year in Brandon Castile. You know, Hell Center last year, they they made a big turnaround in that district, and they were, they were in it to compete, you know. They could score on uh, defenses offensively, you know. They were just firing it off. They will have to find a new uh, running back to kind of complement Castile because that's what they kind of did last year. They had a one-two punch, and that Castillo could air it out, you know, to either side of the field. And then they had a, a big running back in Zay Richards that would just take it up the middle when they needed to. So there was a very balanced attack from them. Uh, I, I think he's another one to look at, and maybe Hill Center is another team to kind of keep an eye on. Are there any other teams you think might surprise without having seen them play a game yet? Uh, in this district? Any district. Any district. I, mm, not quite yet. I'm, I want to. I want to see them in person before I make any predictions as to who might surprise. Because sometimes you get out to those practices, and you know these teams that just graduated. Uh, let's say more than six kids on both sides of the ball. All of a sudden, you have a, a six foot freshman. You might have another Bryson Daly out there stepping up, and that's something that you'll only see when you see him live. So I, I think in the second podcast, I'll have some more bold predictions. But for now, I, I think the only ones that uh, are notable or that I think might be, you know, a fight to the end for some of them, Estacado over Leveland for the district championship, and then maybe New Deal over Abernathy. Well, we'll, we'll wait and see on that one after we get back from New Deal. Now, 6A, Friendship. Some interesting storylines going on there. They've, they've lost Garrison Johnson to, to Manville, and it might not be that big of a blow as you think. No, they're a 6A school. They got a, there's a lot of kids 
out on that field. If you go to their practice, they're, they're cut into different sections because it's so big. Um, yeah, a lot of interesting storylines. I'm going to be out there for their scrimmage on Friday, uh, get to see you know who's kind of going to step up in that role. Uh, of course, um, there was a little bit of talk about Scooter Garcia. He, he came up for him last year, and uh, he was running the ball for him. He's definitely a weapon, but you know, um, Coach Northcutt had said that he didn't want his players playing both ways, that in his offensive and defensive scheme, everybody goes one way just because it's so fast-paced. You need that break. You can't keep going at 100%. Or not, not to say you can't keep going 100%, but, I mean, you're only human. You get tired. You're right. And, and when, you, when you play so much, you, you um, open yourself up to injury, not only – because you're going to get hit both ways, but your muscles just kind of tire out and and don't offer the same support that they will when you're fresh. Yes, uh, so I, I kind of think that they're going to have somebody else step up for them in that running back role. But, uh, I, I, yeah, I think Garcia stays at linebacker. He's a big kid, and he did a lot of special things as a sophomore last year in that uh, defense. I, I would keep him on the defensive end of things. He's experienced it, and he's – already established himself as a leader there. So I think you keep him on that side of the ball. Uh, another defensive player to keep an eye out for, Braden Robinson, uh, big kid. Uh, his brother Asher was a good defensive end. I believe he got some snaps last year at the varsity level too. So uh, there's a lot of good things happening in friendship, I think. Um, whenever I get out there, the first thing I want to kind of take in is this new offensive scheme that they're, they're running. In the past, they used to be more um, – slow down they'd slow down the clock they'd make you play at their pace you know slowly chip away on offense you know and then defensively they've always been kind of they're good they have a lot of pull of kids out there so I just want to see that new offense that Northcutt brought out here and just how dynamic it's going to be yes Northcutt says it's a it's an offense um, of like the of likes the which the South Plains hasn't seen what do you think he meant by that uh I think well, when we were talking about it, he said something more around the lines like Texas Tech offense maybe, which oh, we've seen it out here but not at that level. He called it a true spread offense, which is another reason why I want to see it because maybe I'm under the impression that – or maybe I'm not seeing a true spread offense in some of these teams. So I'm interested to see what it is or what it kind of runs like. It is going to be fun to watch them. And, of course, they're representing the South Plains on their own in 6A or – our only 6A school in this region. Um, you have any thoughts on their district? And I mean, some of the some of the classic West Texas teams are in their district. Yeah, that's always been a tough dish, or it's been a tough district ever since they kind of uh, it, it formed. You know, uh, Odessa I think is surprising at times. You know, I don't think their season was as went the way they wanted last year. Yeah, but, but they're they're probably in the midst of like their best 10 year run ever. Yeah. And, of course, you got Permian, which out here is a name that, you know, probably your little brother's friend knows at this point, you know. <laughs> Permian is going to be another team to look at. Last year, they were young. They had a young team, and they're returning all, uh, quite a few kids, you know, especially a lot of athletic kids who stepped up for them. So they might be in the mix for a district title, but they're going to have to get through San Angelo Central, I think. San Angelo Central is probably the favorite team heading into that district. Um, Brent Davis, uh, I believe the coach over there, always does a really good job with them. Uh, they graduated their quarterback, I believe. But, uh, man, I think they, they're another team that has a pull 
of athletes to choose from. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, last year might have been their breakthrough, and they might have put West Texas football back on the map because they took DeSoto down to the wire, and it really, honestly, it took a it took a pretty epic um, central collapse to to give that game back to DeSoto. Of course, DeSoto goes on and and wins the state championship, but yeah. They, they um, have stocked up some talent, and, and some talent has been attracted uh, to the San Angelo area just because of, of the way the economy is shaping up right now. Yeah, and friendship, as we know, always growing. Every year it grows. Uh, they had to add a ninth-grade center, you know, <laughs> to help facilitate those kids. And, uh, yeah, I think the 6A teams, the great thing about them is you always have the pool of kids. You have the attendance. You have the participation. Uh, and that's another thing that's really big, I think, whenever you're trying to establish yourself as a as a top-tier program is participation. you got to make sure that the kids are – you can have the numbers, but if the kids aren't participating, then, I mean, you don't have the same pool. And all of these teams at some point in period have established themselves as a pretty good teams. So I see kids participating, and I think it's going to be a good year for friendship uh, – it's going to be different for them, different for me, just from seeing the way they used to run their offense to this. Well, I'm, I'm very interested to see what it is and how that district's going to pan out because it is a large district. I feel like it might be a different year for a lot of teams. I'm really excited to be here this year. Um, you know, attending Texas Tech, which, which is where I went to school, this, the, the region was kind of down, and it's not that way anymore. Uh, there, there's a lot of talent out here, uh, and, and a lot emerged last year, and a lot of it has been retained from last year. So it should be an exciting year. You've heard our thoughts, our preseason thoughts on the teams we think are going to impress. Next week we'll come back with some reports from some scrimmages, and then the week after that, a little bit more scrimmage talk, but we'll also be previewing week one. Yeah, I think the the preview that one that first week before you're heading to the first game is the most uh, uh, exciting for I think us sports journalists because yeah we're sitting maybe two weeks out but as soon as you hit that Monday of week one all of a sudden everything's real like you, you as a player you don't feel it until you're suited out and you're walking onto the field for a sports reporter I don't think you feel it until that first week. You're writing your previews. You're getting everything ready. Uh, you're podcasting, of course. And, uh, yeah, it, it just becomes so much real then. Uh, obviously, we're going out to some practices this week. Uh, look out for some content there. Uh, we'll give some thoughts, you know, of what we see. But, no, it, it's going to be a good year. And you know what? You are talking about just being up in the box and kind of being excited and, and really I think it might surprise people to know that we're kind of in the downhill slope right now because we finished our football tab. That's coming out in Sunday's paper. And uh, we really hope you like it. We put a lot of effort into it, and we're pretty proud of it. So we hope that if you don't subscribe to the Avalanche Journal, that you will go out that day and buy the paper because the football tab is in it. And it should be something you're happy with. It's got a lot of good stuff in it. Uh, We thank all the players who helped us with it, all the coaches that helped us with it. It was just a... It's a grind to get that thing every, out every year, but like you said, it's we're at a downturn right now. It was as if our heartbeat was going, and then you know we're kind of slowed down again, and then that Monday hits you know, on week one, and we're back at it. <laughs> well, that's right. Well, keep on clicking on LoneStarVarsity.com each day. There's going to be something about a volleyball team. There's going to be something about a football team. It's a really good time to, to be following along, uh, my favorite part of the year. And that's going to do it for us. 
please be sure to subscribe to the Avalanche Journal's podcast. They're all available um, on iTunes. And if you have an iOS device, you can just go to podcast and download them. This has been the Lone Star Varsity Podcast. We'll catch you next time.